Welcome to the first episode of Don't Say We Didn't Tell You. The goal of our podcast is to bring you stories of Africans from top MBA programs. We will interview people from different backgrounds so you know that people who apply to school all have very different um, profiles, paths, and journeys. We want this to be a resource for you guys. So as we keep making more episodes, please feel free to give us some feedback um, and please let us know if there are any particular profiles that you would like us to feature. Awesome. Um, maybe we can go ahead and introduce ourselves. I'll go first. Um, my name is Aminat. I'm from Lagos, Nigeria, and I'm a first year student at the Harvard Business School. Uh, prior to business school, I worked in management consulting at the Boston Consulting Group, BCG, in New York, um, and as well uh, in Berlin. Uh, before that, I went to, I completed my undergrad at the University of Pennsylvania, the Wharton School, where I studied finance, and I did a minor in computer science. Um, Sultana, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Okay. So hi, everyone. I'm Sultana. Um, quick background on me. I'm from Lagos, Nigeria as well, which is where I spent the first 18 years of my life. After that, I came to university in the U.S. Um, I also went to the Wharton School, which is where I met Aminat. And since then, she's been, she's refused <laughs> to leave me alone. Um, but yeah, while I was at Wharton, I studied finance and I minored in African studies. Um, after that, I worked at Morgan Stanley in New York for five years. Um, across a range of functions, the most recent being in investment banking, covering fintech payments and IT services um, companies. Uh, now I'm at HBS with Daniel and Aminat. It's been seven months and it definitely has not been the break I thought it would be. Um, but I'm still trying to figure out my life and I'm looking to do something at the intersection of finance and technology. Uh, Daniel, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, of course. Uh, my name is Daniel Jayoba. I am also a first year at Harvard Business School. Um, prior to HBS, I worked as a lawyer in the PEVC and M&A um, practice industry, advising a range of companies. And then I decided to come to business school because I just wanted to, let's say, provide more advisory services, better advisory services to my client and just find myself in the process. And post business school, I'm looking forward to um, dabbling in entrepreneurship and also in the fintech space. And yeah, I grew up born and bred in Lagos, Nigeria. First time in the U.S. was when I came to business school. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been very exciting. So yeah, I'm very looking forward to this podcast. Awesome. So as Sultana mentioned in the beginning, we're going to have, uh, we're hoping to have uh, additional guests in the future. But for the first episode, we wanted to start with Daniel because uh, Daniel has a slightly less traditional background, starting off as a lawyer. Um, so we're going to be focused on Daniel for now, and then we'll have uh, future guests uh, for further episodes. Okay, Daniel, are you ready? Yep. So was coming to business school always in your broader life plan? And how did you know that this particular time was the right time for you to come to business school? Hmm. Okay. Um, coming to business school actually wasn't in the plan. And I always used to see myself as a top partner in this law firm, probably in Nigeria or in the U.S., just doing these very badass transactions and deals. <laughs> and I remember when business school, I started considering business school, it was always going to be go for an LLM program because um, I did my undergrad in the University of Lagos um, for six years, for five years, actually, then law school one year, then I decided to... 
um, I started practicing. So it was always the long term goal was to do an LLM. That's the master's in law program from a top institution and eventually go back to practice and become partner in the future. And I remember when the idea of an MBA started and to be very honest, that's why when they say the company you keep is very important. Mm. My friend, um, who is one of my best friends in this world, talked to just started exploring this MBA path because he's very entrepreneurial, he's very deep in research and he just one day started talking about MBA that what do we think about going for an MBA and not the traditional LLM and it was so strange and I was like what? <laughs> MBA like is not a traditional path for lawyers whatsoever Yeah, and it's just like complete opposite and I was like okay this is interesting but I didn't really pay it any thoughts yeah, yeah. but and that's the seed was already sown when he talked about the MBA generally. And from there on, I, we just started making um, research as to the, um, what the MBA is all about, what you need to apply for an MBA. And then I started having, will I say, colleagues go for the LLM program mm. in Harvard Law School. And for me, I was like, okay, you know what? If people are aspiring to go to Harvard Law School, probably this Harvard MBA is a reality and that's actually how will i say the whole concept and the idea of the business school started with respect to the second question of how did i know the right time so it gets to a point in your career when there's just this will i say perfect spot that if mm. you don't transition at that point you will just aspire to being partner yeah. and if you don't take that window of time you might as well just stay till the will i say till you become um, till you get to the top of, of the food chain in the organization. Yeah. And I just mm. realized that. And also how I realized it was the right time is when, will I say, you're not, you, you might not necessarily learn anything new. Mm. So if you've already gotten the foundational knowledge of being um, an expert in the, whatever field you're in, I think that's a good time. So for yeah. me, I generally, will I say, honed my skills of being a lawyer and I knew that, okay, if I don't leave at this point in time, I might want to stay on to probably become a senior associate. And probably yeah. now when I become senior associate, I would like push the partnership. So for mm -hmm. me, I knew that I'd got into that sweet spot in my career when I'd known enough to, will I say, go out of my, um, of my own. And also I was in that perfect spot where it just seemed like the best thing to do at that point in time. Mm. That's super interesting. Um, how did you sequence the entire application process? So I don't know, it'd be helpful for us to get a timeline. When did your friends start talking about this? When did you start applying, taking the GMATs, the essays? Um, what did you do first? What came afterwards? Yeah. Um, so for me, I would say probably it was a... Um, it's 2018 actually was when my friends started talking about it and I applied in 2021. So that's, you can see the process in time. Yeah, but I, because I had already started thinking about it, I knew that it was not going to be a walk in the park because mm -hmm. I knew that it, it had to take a lot of work and a lot of, will I say, dedication to it, considering the type of schools I was considering applying to. So from 2018, we started thinking about it and I knew that one of the biggest, will I say, hindrances to me was going to be the um, standardized test because I can't remember the last time I wrote an exam more, <laughs> more so a mathematics exam because I'm a lawyer numbers is not my will I say I thought you were doing MNA. 
<laughs> but we just essentially do the legal part yeah. of the M&A process and just review a bunch of documents. But we leave the numbers to like the financial advisors. To the sultanas. So, to the sultanas. <laughs> exactly, to the sultanas. So for me... I knew that I had to give it the GRE, um, the standardized test, which can either be the GRE or the GMAT, was going to be, will I say, the deciding um, factor for me. And I need to prep for it. And I'd give it myself like a year before I apply mm-hmm. to prepare. So I remember going to my first class in 2020, the first week in January. I registered to go for a class. And I was like, you know what? Let me start preparing for the... Um, let me start preparing for this exam in um, January 2020 and I intended to apply in round one because business school you have um, two rounds or three rounds depending on the school and I knew that at that point um, I could use from January to will I say August to prepare for the exam write the exam in August and automatically apply in September but I wanted to give myself some time probably in case I don't do too well in the first attempt because I hear people write the exam two or three times and so I decided to probably maybe prepare for five months write it first in like a June July then if I need to rewrite it write it again in August before I eventually will I say um did you take the G were you prepping for the GMAT or the GRE so I was prepping for the GRE because there was this, will I say, myth, I don't know if it's true, that the GMAT is for those that are very good in maths and the GRE is for <laughs> those that are very good in, will I say, verbal and English and um, the um, the verbal side of, of things. So that was the approach I took. So I didn't even consider the GMAT at all. Some people say, oh, f- try to do practice tests for either of the two, whichever you do better. I was like, no, I know, I know that <laughs> the GMAT is not for me. So I focused on the GRE and I remember COVID happened. I think it was in March that we shut down. So I stopped um, online. Um, I stopped um, in-person classes and I started online classes, but I knew that I had to give myself only to it and why i wanted to do it for five months i wanted to first do the jerry first get it out of the way then start um the essays start reaching out to my recommenders and do everything after because i just knew that i needed to prepare 100 percent for the jerry which is what i did but by the first time i wrote it i didn't get the score i wanted mm. and i think i um i only wrote it once and i think i wrote it in august yeah. so because i didn't get the good a good score i couldn't apply round one and I had to push to apply round two. So at that time, my whole calendar had scattered in terms of, we'll do the diary first mm, and yeah. now write essays, then do re- um, recommendations. So I had to do everything side mm. by side. But one thing I did really um, early, which was very good for me, I had spoken to my recommenders way early in time. Mm. So they just have it at mm-hmm. the back of their mind because I didn't want to just approach them two or three months to the yeah. end of the um, application season. So I told them like way back in June, July that I was going to apply. I thought I was going to do round one, but eventually did round two. So that was how I had thought about the whole process in terms of um, sequencing it. But in the end, everything still, I still had to do everything side by side because um, of the distortion in my plans. And um, I took the GRE, which is the answer to the second question. And yeah, I eventually had to do everything at the same time. 
Yeah, and I think we'll probably this will probably come up more as you speak to more people. But mm-hmm. having a recommendation packet is so important. Yeah. Like telling your recommenders, this is where I'm applying. Basically, this is what I want you to say about me. Make me look good. Super important. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but okay, so Daniel, how did you think about the school selection process? Was it like Harvard or bust? Or like, <laughs> how did you really think about that? What was the most important factor for you in deciding what school that um, you wanted to apply to? So just like you said, for me, it was Harvard or bust? Because... Hey. <laughs> It was Harvard or nothing. <laughs> because, and for me, the most deciding factor for me was the brand name. And you find that when mm. you're talking to a lot of um, applicants, some people it might be full funding, some people it might be the brand, some people it might be just any school outside of their present country. But for me, I knew that I wanted to... There's this um, slogan of um, YOMO, you only MBA once, which is something I picked up during my many, my many times researching. And I knew that, okay, if I wanted to do it once, I had to do it big. So it was Harvard or nothing. And for me, the major factor was the brand because in the long term, I plan to come back to Nigeria. And I knew that Harvard is a brand that first, they have a very strong alumni network. And this is not to, will I say, sell or market Harvard to anyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> just disclaimer, stating it out there. But I just knew that, okay, they had a, um, the largest alumni or one of the largest alumni body back in the continent, Africa, Nigeria, and it was universally known. So for me, those were my biggest factors. And so that's how I thought about it. But yeah, in thinking about it, I also thought about it through the lens of safety school, rich school, and target school. So safety schools are schools that you know that bad as he bad you will get him because you know that you've had like laugh, laugh. <laughs> exactly you've done some things in your life that at least you know you will enter then will i say um target schools are schools that are very will i say um that are very in line with your profile and that if you put in an effort you will definitely get into those schools and rich schools are schools that are riches for everyone you cannot beat your chest and say you will get in because it is prayer and fasting for everybody yeah (laughs) (laughs) so like and those are like the top three schools so those are and that's how i thought about it i was going to apply uh, and depending on wherever it is but personally i was going to apply um to one school from each of the categories Mm. so from each, each of the categories i was going to apply to three schools in all um, but in the end, I knew that, okay, if I didn't get into Harvard, I still also wanted to have a shot at going into one of the top three schools. So I made my option 211. So two um, rich schools, one target school, one safety school. But in the end, I didn't apply to my target school because I was crunched for time. So I only mm. did two targets, um, two rich schools and one safety school. Yeah. So that was how I thought about it, which was very helpful for me in the end because eventually i got into harvard and also my safety school so i knew that if harvard didn't come through i could still be able to go to school in the end and what was the most important factor in deciding the school i've talked about it so which was the brand and also like the um, connection of the institution back to nigeria and africa nice um, you mentioned a few things during your, uh, your application. You mentioned your friend that initially introduced you to it. You mentioned you took an, uh, a course for the GRE. What were the resources you used in general throughout your application um, in terms of the essay, in terms of your recommendations? Did you work with a specific counselor how, or mentors? How did you go about um, getting the resources you needed? Yeah. Um, so I will say that 
the resources are the most part of like the most important parts of the application process because no one can do this application thing on your own you mm. are not an island you need to leverage on people you need to leverage on resources i i hustled for this thing like it was <laughs> a hustle because you know when you're going after something and you have put all your eggs in a basket like i'd put my eggs my leg my hand you <laughs> <laughs> It was business school, Harvard Business School or nothing. And because coming from a non-traditional background, I didn't really have... There was actually started off by looking for my people that had gone to Harvard Business School that were similar to my profile mm. so that I could reach out to them on LinkedIn, on Instagram. I stalked people on LinkedIn. I stalked people <laughs> on Instagram, cold riches. Even people were shocked on Instagram. I'm here asking you about business school and it's supposed to be like your personal <laughs> life. But I did everything. And I quickly realized that there was no um, there was no lawyer that had gone to Harvard Business School from Nigeria, and for me that was very difficult because mm. I needed to tell my story. I needed to package my application. I didn't know the mm. right way to go about it because I'm applying to an international school for somebody that had schooled and lived all his life in Nigeria. The circumstances mm -hmm. were very different. Mm. I needed to understand the mechanism of the admissions committee, but I did not have, will I say, the ideal person to help me in mm. terms of law. And that's why I would say that I also wish I had, will I say, probably like an admissions consultant that was focused in Africa, focused like towards Nigerians, and that would that would have been very helpful in terms of like recommendation, in terms of how to think um along the process, and yeah, that would have gone a long way. So I advise anyone get find that, but I say ad, um admission consultant that is by Nigerians focused to Nigerians that will help you a long way. But I had to make do with what I had. And like I said, I eventually, uh, first of all, the information session, the school's information session, I attended nothing less than 50. I knew everything. I knew when oh they were coming God. up. Like, I started making friends from info sessions because we had seen ourselves on maybe two or three. We'd be like, oh, we're talking about the next info session that is coming up. We'd be like, oh, we'll see you at the next info session. So I leveraged a lot of um the information session because it gives you a perspective as to what the school is looking for you already start getting an understanding of the type of things they want to see in the application so that just helps you in terms of the overall process also i leveraged um linkedin so i was reaching out to, and my strategy was reaching out to current students and alums and the way i think about it is somebody on the inside can open the door for you from inside. It's easier for them to be able to open the door for you from inside and from, for you outside trying to push and find your way in. So that was my strategy. And the people from inside were the alums and the current students. They were very helpful in looking over my application. And in terms of recommenders, I would say that I also was very strategic in terms of my recommendation. And I wanted somebody that could speak to my professional career and also speak to my leadership qualities and also my extracurricular activities outside of work and also my community involvement. So that was the approach I used. And I also reached out to them early in time, gave them an application, um, a recommendation package to just ensure that we're telling similar stories. So that's another thing I always advise people. You don't want your application to be disjointed Said, I say you always want them to summarize your application in one sentence. Daniel Jayoba, a Nigerian lawyer that wants to do fintech post business school. So they should be able to summarize your application in one sentence. And you want everything telling a single story. So you have to ensure everyone is on board in terms of your recommenders, your essay, your resume, everything should be speaking to one simple story. Nice. Um, 
how did you think about the essay portion of your application? So for people who don't know, what's particular about Harvard's um, admissions essay is lots of other schools will basically give you two essays to write where you can basically have one essay that focuses more on the professional side and the other essay focuses on the personal side. Um, the difficult thing about the HBS essay is there's only one essay. So you kind of have to find a way of how do you blend the professional and the personal into one essay. Um, so if you don't mind saying what your essay was about and kind of how you just picked the topic and what you decided to write about. Yeah. So, the topic for Harvard Business School is what matters. Oh my God. The topic hey. for Harvard Business School is what oh. more? Oh. <laughs> oh. Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. <laughs> the, the topic for Harvard Business School is what more do you want the admissions committee to know as you're putting together your application? And for me, they typically say that's one of the hardest, will I say, essays because it's very open-ended. What yeah. more? You can talk about any and everything. And what was very helpful for me in, in starting to frame what I wanted to talk about was the info sessions. I started going to loads of info sessions. I started watching YouTube videos about people that had applied and I just um, heard people talk about different approaches and ways to go about it. And the way I wanted to go about my own story is I wanted to, will I say, add more color to things that are already in my application. They typically mm. say, oh, do not regurgitate what you've said in your application because yeah. they're already there. But I just wanted yeah. to give them a backstory because those other, the ones in my application were just, will I say, very straight to the point. I wanted to create a perspective. I wanted to create a story as to all the things I've done in my life. I essentially wanted to connect the dots in that, mm -hmm. okay, I talked about... Um, my childhood, how I had grown up, the challenges we faced growing up, and how that, will I say, formed and shaped my career goals and aspirations of wanting to be a lawyer. And when, uh, upon becoming a lawyer, I realized that um, even though the law was fulfilling, it wasn't... It didn't give me the required skills, all the required skills I needed mm -hmm. to achieve my post-MBM, my future goals. And I had gotten to a point where the MBA was going to add the, um, the required skills, the required network, the required value that I needed to achieve my career goals. So that essentially was how I, um, the path my essay took, and I just built up on everything, adding more color. And another advice I got was, because you're not sitting with the admissions committee, you don't want them to have a why. You don't want them to ask questions. Mm -hmm. So everything they can preempt you want to have answered it for them so when they're going through your resume going through your other application documents they might have questions you want to use your essay to answer those questions mm. so that's mm -hmm. what i essentially did with my um, essay answering any question they might have in a very simple logical way another thing another advice i got was um you you should be vulnerable that because these people they they don't only want to admit will i say smart people they also want people that are very personable they want somebody you can sit beside next yeah. to mm -hmm. in a class so and one of the biggest takeaways for me was a friend of mine said by the time he wrote his essay it was in tears i was like <laughs> okay me i may not be in tears though, but i want to be as vulnerable as possible in my essay i want to tell them this is who i am and i will this is the value i'm bringing to your school so that was essentially what i um I achieved in my in the essay portion of my application. 
that's so so important and i think the point you mentioned about vulnerability is extremely important for nigerians because we're not huh. used to that especially exactly. in professional settings for mm-hmm. us professional is professional there's no time to be telling your feelings <laughs> and whatever and mm-hmm. that's not the experience you have here at all so it's, that's a really really important one um i think you talked you talked talked about this a little bit in the recommendation piece but how did you think about creating a sort of consistent narrative um, throughout your entire application, the essay, the recommendations, your GMATs, the smaller sort of questions in the application. Huh. And what was the goal? What was what did you want the admissions officer to take away from your application, whether that's in three words, a simple sentence, but what did you want them to get from your application? Yeah, I think the consistent narrative is very important because people always just, because you're working on different documents in the application material, some people just do it differently but in the mm-hmm. end you're trying mm-hmm. to tell a story about yourself even though you're just adding extra information everything should in the end be able to tell a very consistent narrative and for me even starting from my gmat and gre i had realized that because i will i say did not perform as well as i wanted to perform in my undergrad i knew that i wanted my gre to tell the story of my quantitative um, aptitude and my quantitative capacity so i focused a lot of time on my math because they've will i say they're confident in the fact that my verbal side of the process is fine because i'm a lawyer so that will not be their own concern for me their concern for me will be my quant skills and that's part of telling a consistent narrative and i focused on my quant to ensure that i could get as high a mark as possible on that and which um, worked out in my favor and in terms of um, the essay like I initially touched on you want to will I say add color had add background of the other things you've talked about in your other parts of your application any questions they might have you want to use the essay to answer those questions and in terms of recommendation I wanted my recommenders to be speaking with one voice and like Sultana said in, in, in initially the um, recommendation pack is very important. You have to remind your recommenders about the extraordinary things you did. <laughs> and you want to make, make sure that it, it shows in their recommendation um, for you. So you need to remind them. And so in thinking about it, I had even summarized my own application. I wanted them to say, oh, Daniel Jayoba is a lawyer that had practiced in Nigeria and now wants to come to business school to get the business skills in order to be able to become an icon in the fintech industry back in Nigeria and Africa. That's essentially what I wanted my application to say. Mm -hmm. And every part of the application was talking about the same thing. For my essay, I was talking about how um, my the financial circumstances I went through made me, will I say, intuitive to financial freedom and um, access to credit. So that was the financial piece of the of my essay. Also, in terms of my recommended, we're talking about how I've been, will I say, I've had a mind for business, how I've helped the firm grow their revenues. My other recommender was talking about how I've equipped the community in terms of financial education and finance, financial literacy. So you can see that by the time you read the application materials together, everything was pointing towards financial technology, financial freedom, helping people get access to finance on better conditions and better terms. So in the end, everything was able to achieve a story. And I also had my GRE to back it up that, okay, I'm not just saying story. I have my, will I say, exam to show that I can do the work. So that was the approach. And that was, will I say, the strategy that I used throughout the process. Okay. And now for a big question, how did you think about 
financing and funding your MBA. So this is definitely a very expensive venture. Mm-hmm. Um, for context, for anyone who doesn't know, your MBA basically can cost from anywhere from 200k to 250k. <laughs> um, the dollar is, is one dollar is now 600 naira. Mm-hmm. So obviously a very, very um, expensive venture. How did you think about, how did you think about that? Yeah. Um... <laughs> so to be honest <laughs> it's heavy it's heavy <laughs> to be honest yeah surprisingly i never thought about funding before my application and when people reach out to me and they always say how will i fund the mba program i'm like first get in now it's not when you get in you start thinking of funding and i don't know if that's the best approach but because i didn't even want anything to deter me or mm. want anything to make me second guess the the path I was taking, I didn't even think of funding. I was like, you know what? When you get in, you would have the leverage enough to be able to raise the money whichever way. So that's on the one hand. On the other hand, after getting in, is very... And that's why a school like the school we are at is very good because they provide you tons of funding opportunities. And I think it's important to say that there is something called the need-based funding and something mm. called the merit-based funding. So depending on the type of school you're applying to, you'll find that some schools do merit-based funding by which they give you financial aid on the basis of your... on the strength of your application. Mm. While some schools like Harvard, for example, they do need-based funding where regardless of your application, you have to apply for financial aid after your admission. So um, I'd realized that Harvard is need-based. So by the time I got in, then I started applying. And um, there are so many grants, so many, will I say, um, aids, financial aid packages out there for people if you can do the work. So even aside from Harvard now, in case you're listening to this podcast and you're applying to other schools, for example, in Nigeria, they have the T.Y. Danjuma Scholarship. Mm. That gives anybody that is going to any business, top 10 business school in the world, will I say a portion of your application, um, a portion of your cost of attendance. Mm. And it can go as high as 10 thousand dollars twenty thousand dollars thirty thousand dollars in some instances so that was one and which i was looking forward to sadly we were not eligible then but that's still for another day because <laughs> harvard did not do the realize the ranking at that point um so there's the ty danjima um scholarship and there, there were also some so i don't know if you guys know this um guys that do this mba financing um, I forget their name now. Um, but that's on the one hand. Um, so in terms of... So there's the Chihuahua Danjima funding, but more specifically to Harvard Business School, there are fellowships that you can take advantage of. There are tons of fellowships. There are those that are coming from Africa. There are those that want to do NGO. There are those that were in politics and um, in the public sector. There are tons of fellowships that will be available to you. And to be honest, Average is very generous with the financial aid package. So I knew that they were going to give me at least 50% because we're coming from Nigeria. And I knew that the Naira was in my favor yeah. at that point in time. So yes, I knew that by the time they do the conversion, they'll be like, oh no, we need to help this guy. <laughs> <laughs> And when you look at it from the fact that these schools actually, they took their time to go through the process to pick you and to admit you. So they actually want you to be here. Funny enough, yeah. they might even want you more than you, more than you even want yourself because mm. they want you to bring that diversity to the classroom. So they are very interested in your, um, in your funding program. So email the school sometimes. Email them, ask them for um, available opportunities in terms of funding. They are very happy to, will I say, provide tons of funding um, options for you. Another big funding option is for, particularly for Harvard Business School, is the 7-Up Scholarship. Yeah. 
And the Seven Up Scholarship covers hundred percent of your funding, even to the flights, your to and mm. fro. So it is complete to the T. <laughs> but the only thing, the only catch with that is that they only um, give one person. So yeah. hopefully you're that one person. But it also helps in terms of funding. And there are just other grants here and there, a 10K year, a 20K year, write an essay here, write an essay there, and that would also help. So for anyone listening, I would say, first get in, don't be put off by the funding options. And loans, that's something I actually want to touch on. A lot of Nigerians are very averse to loans. They don't believe in taking loans. But the MBA program is such an investment that pays off for itself. In the end, you'll be able to pay your loans back in, will I say, as soon as you want, to be very honest. And because the MBA is, is a major investment. And to be honest, 98%, I stand corrected, of people that come for MBA programs take loans. Just that most people do not say it. Some people, if, not, they're, if they're not taking loans for the full cost of attendance, they're taking extra money because maybe they want to go on extra trips. Mm. So a lot of people take <laughs> loans. No, but that's the no, f- fact. Yeah. And people need to know this because I know a lot of people, when I tell them to take loans, they're like, oh, no, they are not sure. They don't think it's the right thing. So just open your mind to taking loans, knowing that the MBA is a, an investment that will pay off for itself in the long run. Okay. And I think one thing to know, on the 7-Up um, scholarship, I think also to be eligible, you have to have been working in Nigeria. Yes, yes, yes. Well. yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, working in Nigeria. So if you need to move back... Very soon, move back <laughs> so you can plan it. Okay, Daniel, final question. Um, what are your plans for after business school? Are you moving back to Nigeria? Um, what do you want to do? Yeah, um, and I would say that first things first, you don't need to commit to what you wrote in your essay yes. post business school. So just to put it out there, yeah. And for me, I want to do fintech. I want to also double a bit in entrepreneurship. So my plan for post-MBA is I first want to gain international experience and exposure because of like Sultana and Aminat, I've worked all my life <laughs> in Lagos, Nigeria. Very proud of it. But I just feel that I want to compete on an international scale and just open my professional career to a different experience. Mm. So I want to, will I say, work in the US for a while in a fintech company. Uh, hopefully do that for like three to five years. And in the long term, I'm very passionate about Nigeria, very passionate about Africa. I then want to come, go back to Nigeria to set up a fintech company. I'm still at the moment in the ideation stage, thinking about ideas, looking for ideas. And yeah, so I want to come back to Nigeria and Africa, set up a fintech company and, um, help in terms of financial inclusion and in terms of closing the financial gap in the Nigerian scene and also long, long term, eventually going to politics. Uh-uh. Hey. Daniel for president. Wait, are you from Lagos? No, are I'm you not. Governor what of state Lagos? are you from? Ogun State. Governor of Lagos. Oh, that's where they started. Yeah. Okay, that was our first guest on our first episode. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed it, please share with your friends who are interested in MBAs or are just curious and want to know. Um, We're planning to do more of these in the future. So if there are any particular profiles you want to see featured, please let us know. Thank you and talk to you guys soon. Thank you all. All the best. Bye.